The triune God's grace and mercy and peace are all yours from the Father, through the Son, by the work of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God's word for his people today from 1 John chapter 5. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. And this is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. Loved ones, most of you know that Euchre is a fun card game. For the few of you that might not be from Wisconsin, I'll explain it to you quickly. It's a four-person card game where two teams of two play against each other, and you're sitting across the table from your partner. The object is to get the most high cards as the round goes round and round and round, and whoever gets the most high cards and wins the most hands and takes the most cards wins the game. It's a fun game because it's a competitive and interesting enough game, and yet it's not so complicated that you can't have a conversation while you're playing. For me, the best moment when you're playing Euchre is this. When you think you can win, and you've said that you can win, which you have to say at the beginning of the round, and you start taking a couple cards, but you aren't sure. And then all of a sudden, as the cards go around to your partner sitting across from you, there he is with the big card, the right bower, the trump that beats all the other trump, and he lays it down, the high card above all high cards, and it guarantees you a win. Today is Trinity Sunday. We hear from God's word every year about this time who the true God is, that there is only one true God who, who created the world, who, who saved us, who, who gives us faith. And yet throughout the Bible, we hear that this God is three separate, distinct persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is not the Father. And yet we don't have three gods, but one God as we just and always confess. And that's an interesting intellectual thing to, to wrestle with. Books and books and books have been written about that over the centuries as our Christian forefathers have even died standing up for that truth. And, and it's a, a mystery that we'll never be able to intellectually completely grasp. How can you be three and one at the same time? And yet because the Bible says it, we just accept that. But here's the exciting part. Knowing the true triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever, guarantees us a win. The true triune God guarantees us a win over the world. Of the 66 books that make up the Bible, Jesus' disciple, John, son of Zebedee, wrote five of them. He wrote a record of Jesus' life called the Gospel of John. He wrote what we know as the last book of the Bible, the Revelation. And then he wrote three short letters, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, that they're, they're called now in your Bible. And the words from one of those is before us today. And, and John writes like no other writer in the Bible. 
he uses the simplest words and the simplest phrases and yet has a way of, of using them in a way that, that gives them the deepest meaning for us to think about. Hard to understand, but with the help of the Holy Spirit, we will today. Here's how he starts out. And who is the one who conquers the world but the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God, Jesus Christ? You know, it sometimes surprises me and often saddens me to see that some of the most competitive people in the world don't care about the most important contest that you can be in. Do you know the type of person? Do you know the type of person who, when they're, that they're starting to lose at a board game, instantly goes for the box and starts searching through the rules, looking for technicalities that might put them ahead? Do you know the type of person that, that sits in a restaurant and looks at the table next to them and sees that the gal over there got a little bit more wine in her glass from her server and then complains? Do you know that type of, of competitive person that just loses sleep at night if they just lost in a practice drill or, or someone at the office, even if they're making plenty of money, makes just a little bit more than them? And isn't it sad that when it comes to the most important contest in the world, the contest for a person's soul, that same competitive person literally sometimes shrugs their shoulders and said, eh, whatever. It doesn't really matter what you believe as long as you're happy. Do you know that type of person? The person who, who doesn't really pray unless there's some sort of emergency. Do you know the type of person who says, well, I tried reading my Bible a couple times and I didn't really get it and, and I, I, what I did get, I'd, I'd heard it before so I know that and, and just kind of given it up. Do you know the type of person who says, well, I'll go to worship when I know somebody else I, I like is going to be there but I, I really don't get much out of it. Do you know that type of person when you look in the mirror? Are you that type of person? When you are, and yes, you, because all of us are that way, sometimes a lot, sometimes just a little, but we are with our sinful natures, you're getting your spiritual behind kicked. The world is beating you. When the Bible uses the term world, it's talking about anything that makes you think that God doesn't matter if he exists at all. When the Bible uses the term world, it's talking about all the pressures and influence that you face to think that nothing exists or at least matters beyond what you can see and sense and figure out for yourself. The term world is anything that influences you to think that life without God is normal and is fine. One of uh, our country's favorite comedians, and I think one of the most smart ones, is a guy by the name of Steve Martin. He's not just a stand-up comic, but he's also a, a songwriter. He plays a mean banjo. He's an actor and a writer. And one of the more amusing things that he's ever done was something he did together with a group called Steep Canyon Rangers. They played a lot of song, blue, bluegrass songs together, and there's one 
that's been on national television another, uh, a number of times called Atheists Ain't Got No Songs. And he starts out the number by complimenting Christians and, and pointing out all of the beautiful music and art that Christians and, and other religious people have, have put out over the centuries and that he's a little jealous that atheists really don't do much in the way of music and art until he starts singing and he goes on to compliment everything that, that he can think of that, that Christians do to contribute to music and art to talk about Johann Sebastian Bach and his cantatas and, and Baptists singing He is Risen and he even mentions Lutherans with their Christmas trees and how beautiful they are and, and, and talks about Christians singing the hymn He is Risen. But then goes on to say, well, atheists, at least we have rock and roll. We have the blues, and, and we get to sit around in our underwear watching football on Sunday while everyone else is going to church. It's an amusing song, but it's also an attack. It's an attack of the world that says it's just as fun, it's just as normal to live life without God. Life without God is fine. And that kind of thing wears on us. In fact, that's where the world gets us. It gets us right in our fears of feeling foolish. You see, in our heart of hearts, what we want as people is to be respected and loved. And at least to feel normal. And the idea that we can be disrespected or looked down upon really bothers us. And so the thought that we could look foolish for what we believe really makes us question what we believe. And there's plenty of ammunition for the world to use, isn't there? When you look at what we believe and how unreasonable it is, you've got to say there's a lot there. We believe in one God, but that he's three persons. Makes no sense. Nor does it make sense that, that, that this divine being who rules over all of the universe could come into two cells that grew in his mother's womb into a full human being and that in Jesus Christ you had someone who is 100% God and 100% man. And isn't it foolish to think that a little piece of bread and some wine are actually his body and blood? Throw in that an account of the creation that most people think is a myth and a legend or, or throw in there the account of a flood that does explain a lot but not to those who don't want to believe it. And you've got a lot of ammunition to fire against us. And against a world that wants our hearts to change and believe that there's nothing beyond this world. And against hearts that want to give in because we just want to feel normal. We don't stand a chance alone. But we're not alone. You are not alone. God did not just send someone else to do his dirty work of saving us and keeping us connected to him. God the Father loved this world and the instant that the beings whom he created to love him sinned against him, he put a plan in motion to save us that would hurt him. 
and he came himself. Jesus Christ in the flesh. Here's how John in his unique way says it. Jesus came by water and blood. Not by water only, but by water and blood. And if there are any people who should know what it means that Jesus came by water and blood, it ought to be the people who worship here Sunday after Sunday. Because it's right in front of our faces, right above our altar, that Jesus came by water and by blood. Jesus came by water when he was baptized. Thirty years he lived in in obscurity and anonymity, and then publicly it was announced that he is the one who would take our sins upon him. Publicly announced, not by him, not by a press secretary, but by God himself who shouted from the clouds, this is my son, you'll want to listen to him. He's the only one with whom I'm ever well pleased because he is the only one who's perfect, God was saying when he spoke. And God the Holy Spirit was there too. The spirit whom you can't see because he's a spirit took on a visible form that we could see. A dove poured himself out on Jesus, gave Jesus the strength that his human nature needed to live perfectly for us. All at Jesus' baptism as he was standing there in the water. But his work wasn't finished with an announcement. No, three more years he lived. Never a sinful thought, word, or action. And yet he was treated as the worst sinner in the world. As he was pierced for our transgressions and as he bled, suffering for our sins, he came by blood. And his perfect life was traded for your sinful one. And the Son of God saved you by water and by his blood. In spite of Jesus' love for us that would move him to do this, the world still attacks Jesus. Even those within the church and outside of the church speak of Jesus in terms that we can see and sense and and that make reasonable sense to us and say, oh, he was a great man who gave us a great example about how to live. Told us, well, we should follow Jesus in the sense that just as he said we should love each other, then we should too. And certainly Jesus does tell us, follow my example and love each other. But that there's more to it than that? That's not what makes sense to the world. And we need more than that because what reason do we have to love each other? except for the fact that God loved us. That's what moves us to do more than just love each other when we feel like it or when there's an advantage to us, but that God loved us. And to give us that kind of attitude in our heart takes another miracle, and that is the work of the Holy Spirit. Something that can only happen if he does his miraculous work in our hearts, and he does. And that's why John speaks about the testimony of God's word where the Holy Spirit constantly, faithfully reminds us of his promises to us. Are you struggling with doubt? Listen to the Holy Spirit as he says, yes, there is one true God who made you, who loves you, and cares for you. Are you struggling with guilt and regret? Listen to the Holy Spirit as he promises that Jesus Christ, our Savior, 
takes away all of your sin. Are you struggling with just struggling? (laughs) Are you struggling with whatever problems you have in this life? Listen to the Holy Spirit's promise that he would pour out himself on you at your baptism, that you are God's child and that he will take care of you. He will listen to your prayers. He will give you strength and wisdom to deal with difficult decisions. He will get you through this life to the next one. The battle against the world and its constant pressure on us to doubt is one contest that is not a game. And you can deny that it's going on every day. You can shrug your shoulders and say, eh, it doesn't matter. But it does. It's happening whether you sense it or not. And amusing as the the attacks on the world might be, they are deadly. Because buying into what the world has to say leads to eternal death. But if your heart is still beating, you haven't lost the battle. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit guarantee you a win over the world. And they guarantee you eternal life. So fight the battle. Decide right now, I'm going to make reading my Bible the most important part of my day whether I feel like I need it or not. Keep praying. Worship God with all your heart, not just for yourself, but knowing that your brothers and sisters in Christ are going through the same battles and doubts that you are, and they need you here to encourage them as well. And pray continually to God. Count on Him to help you with everything, with every hardship, and work to serve Him in every situation. And have a heart that praises the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit for the life that they've given you here and the life that they give you eternally. This is God's word.